welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the CLB Forge podcast. I am your host, Luke Chelhawk. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Ryan Nelson. So today we're interviewing some pastors who are part of a cohort, an online learning experience. They're going to share with us some of the things they learned over the past year in the groups that they were in. And we're really excited to be recording live at the CLB 2022 Biennial Convention. We've got a a packed room actually flowing out into the hallway. Why don't you guys cheer or say hi? So fun to be here together. Chewbacca is here. That's great. It's so fun to be here with so many people who have been a part of the show, have listened, have been on episodes. Thanks for being here tonight. So we're going to start by asking a question. If you could try any profession besides the one that you currently have, what would it be? This is Paul K here. If you're supposed to identify yourself on sure. a podcast. Please do that. That's a great idea. We can't see you, so that's, that's wonderful. I would love to uh, be a bartender, which I know some of us will go, ooh, but... Mostly because I just am like a puppy dog around people, and I feel like it would be the coolest opportunity to get to meet new people all the time and develop relationships with the same people. But I always say that I'm going to do that after I'm a pastor, which I don't know if it'll work out well, but yeah. <laughs> I'm Matt Renitz, and uh, man, I, I think maybe a carpenter. I, I really enjoy spending a lot of money on wood that I end up messing up the projects on and then uh, redoing it over and over again. So what kind of carpentry? Like houses, couches? Like what are we building? Uh, Somewhere between houses and couches. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in between there. Yeah. Yeah. So like a bed? Yeah. I've made a bed. I've made three beds. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Well, I'm Jeremy Wilson, and uh, just came to me. The uh, I think the profession I'd love to try out would be university professor. I love the idea of teaching someone who's paid really good money to hear me teach. <laughs> what topic? Like, what what would you teach? Oh, you know, um, man, that, that's a second question. Am I, are you allowed to ask me a second question? I'm just following up. Oh, I don't know. You just want to teach? Yeah, we, we can. Um, no, we can't. Answer now. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Oh, I would say uh, either systematic theology or uh, something to do with computers. Nice. Boring. <laughs> Boring. All right. I'm Darren Shaw. And okay, are we talking like any job, like uh, yeah. like yeah. fantasy kind of stuff? Can do we? It. All right. All right. You want. I'd be some kind of uh, athlete, I think, like a baseball player or a basketball player. One of okay. those two things, I think. Probably, I'd probably lean towards baseball, I think. What position uh, would you play? Third base. Third base. No yeah. Hot corner. Now, those are sports, correct? Baseball, basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is correct. Yeah. 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 I'm uh, Kevin Skerritt, and pastoring is my second career. However, since Jeremy already took mine, but I would love to teach Bible or ministry at an undergraduate college level. Nice. So you guys all participated in this new cohort program that's sort of a bit of an experiment uh, that we're working on right now here at the CLB. So just kind of first things first, we hear this word cohort. What is a cohort? And also in parentheses, it says, make them answer. So uh, <laughs> anybody is welcome to, to jump in. Well, I, I would say probably the, the most concise way to answer that is to say it's a learning community. 
we pick a topic, pick a book that we're going to uh, go through and learn together as a, as a community. I echo that. I know when I told people that I was a part of a cohort, they would ask, well, what is that? And I just said, well, uh, basically, we're collaborating with a group of people across the United States where we get together and talk about the same topic and uh, kind of learn from one another. So going on with that learning. How did we get together? So we're from different areas, right? Uh, one of them was in a region. So did the region like it? How did that happen for you guys in, in the different cohorts you were in? Yeah, so we were in the Pacific region and Ryan talked at our it's not by, yeah, I guess biennial regional convention. Uh, and he had kind of mentioned, it's like, you know, it's kind of scary sometimes to admit that we don't know how to disciple people very well. And I think a lot of us pastors in the region were like, oh yeah, actually we don't really know how to do that. We talk about it, but we don't really know how to do it. And he said, you know, talk to me if you want to uh, do, go through a book together and we can learn together. And we're like, yeah, that sounds good. We have all the time in the world. Let's do it. <laughs> and, and then, but then we had uh, one of our guys in our region just kind of took the bull by the horns and said, hey, do you want to do this? 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 And he got us all to do it. And uh, it was kind of a recognition that we don't really know everything. And we need to maybe learn together on this. So that's how it happened for us. Just to be clear, this is on the record. Pastors do not know everything is what you're saying. <laughs> That is the rumor. It's okay. We can we can edit that out later. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys strictly meet in person, or how did you get together for that group, that cohort? We did a mix of in-person when we could. We had one uh, in-person meeting, but we mainly did Zoom. Okay. We just met on Zoom together. We picked a time that worked for most everyone, and then we met, that was a what, every, every, every other month, something like that? And uh, yeah, but via Zoom, it was awesome. The, the plan is to have 35 pastors in cohorts this, this coming year. So we're excited about that. Do you mean uh, 35 pastors leading cohorts? So we're at the convention Monday at our North American Mission Committee meeting. We, we have signups for a new set of cohorts that'll start in the next school year. We had about 20 pastors this year. And our goal this coming year is to have 35 pastors as participants. So we've got three new cohort leaders, people that went through it this time around. Three of those guys are going to be leading cohorts next year. And we've got people signing up over the summer. And so this episode, people will probably be listening to this as they're thinking about whether or not they, this is something they want to do. We're aiming at pastors who can then you know, bring this and share this with other leaders in their churches. And we're using the uh, books by Greg Finke, who presented yesterday at the convention on joining Jesus on his mission and joining Jesus, show me how. He talks about being a missionary neighbor and a missionary disciple. That's what we're going to study in that round uh, next year. So what you guys share will help people figure out whether or not they want to do something like this. So our next question, why did this catch your interest? Like, why did you accept the invite? You guys like filled with regret thinking about like why? Yeah, why I, did I have I? no idea. I mean, oh. it was just the worst. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, for me, um, being out there in Idaho, we are are pretty isolated from from most churches. It's it's quite a haul to get from our church to any any other LB church, and so it was a wonderful opportunity for me to have some of this community with other LB pastors and and hash through some of this stuff about what it means to make disciples in our context and have that kind of connection with uh with other pastors who are asking the same questions i am well since pastors only work one day a week i had plenty of time <laughs> no but seriously the prayer 
call the Zoom prayer meeting that we've been having has been such a blessing to be seeing the faces of pastors from all across North America praying together for our congregations and our denomination that the opportunity to also process through how do we grow as disciple makers was I'm going to carve time out for that. So that was that's why I took the invite. In uh, our particular cohort in the Pacific region, we went through No Silver Bullets, and which is a book by Daniel Eim. And I was really interested in the book, but also big cohort. So I was just like, I don't want to miss out on a good time. So that was, <laughs> that's the second part of that. So Just out of curiosity, would you say the goal of the cohort is relationship building, like strengthening ties with other pastors primarily, or a more learning, practical type things? Or I guess it's probably all of the above, right? But I think for our group too, it, not like it was a, a therapy session or anything, but just working shoulder to shoulder a little bit and sharing some of those experiences and kind of getting someone who might nod their head while you say stuff and empathize with you was really nice. But I mean, I don't think that the cohorts have to be specifically for pastors, but that was something that <laughs> we experienced in ours, which was great. So, so these weren't necessarily people that you had pre-existing relationships with. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. Okay. In my cohort, there were as a fair mix of both on that. And the relationship factor, like I said, was a motivator, but the relationship factor processing the the learning experience together was more of the, the motivation. But having others that are in the context that, that we're in processing with us was important. So what surprised you about your cohort experience? What what did you not expect that, that you received? Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh... What I didn't really expect was the accountability that came with it in that, you know, when, oftentimes when you're reading a book, when you're watching a video and the, and the speaker, uh, you know, says something, you're like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting thought. And you just kind of put it in the back pocket and you just kind of let it go. But when you have other guys around you talking through the stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, no, actually, it's really good. And someone else says, oh, yeah, that is really good to then have accountability in the group to say, well, what are you going to do about it? It's like, well, shoot, man. Like I was just kind of looking to learn how to do this, not actually do it, you know? And <laughs> cause I think that's, that's just often what happens. And, uh, but the, the accountability was good and, and not that we did everything that we, uh, set goals for. Maybe we had two met goals. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we, we were actually, uh, making progress towards them and putting plans into place so that we could do that. And I wasn't really expecting that. I was more thinking of a book discussion, but we actually did have accountability, which was not expected and good. And like with, with that accountability, just to like echo kind of what you're saying, it was put into practice some of the, some of the goals from the book, like input and output goals. So what does that mean for us? Like, what are we, we going to put into this? What's going to come out? Um, and uh, we would check in every two months and it was either, a reminder to you, like, oh, man, I didn't do my, my job, and I really should do my job. Or, or like, priorities. I said I was going to do that because I saw it as a priority a while ago, and I didn't make it a priority. You know, or you did, and you got to celebrate that with other people. So it was, it was cool to keep you on track to what, you know, God's doing in your heart. So You mentioned the, the therapy sessions and the accountability. So there's a little bit of that that goes on. But I think the surprising thing was hearing – a couple of success stories as things, you know, we, we, we had the check-in for the accountability side and got to say, here's how that played out in my congregation or my context. And there's one story in particular of just one of our pastors putting a, a picnic table out 
where the people are walking by the church and the engagements that he was able to have out of that. So that was exciting. When you're doing a cohort, you don't necessarily know everybody that's in your cohort. And so one of the things that was surprising to me was when I ran into Darren at Hunan and found out that my head only comes up to about his chest. I, I, I've, I've just been seeing him from like the second button up for like two years. And then I meet him for the first time and I was like, oh yeah, I am short. So you guys touched on this a little bit, but just kind of thinking through, you know, the whole experience and everything. How would you say on a, on a practical level, how has the cohort experience influenced your ministry, the way you go about doing ministry, interacting with people from your congregation? Yeah, I'd just be curious to hear a little bit more about that. Well, I know for me personally, it, um, going back to the accountability part, knowing that I said that I was going to do something and I'm going to be asked about it the next time. What that helped me with is, um, is actually doing what has been in my mind for a while. You know, I, I've read several books on, on discipleship, and uh, I, I mentioned it during one of our cohort meetings that um, I, I feel like sometimes if we keep reading all of these books over and over again, the devil will make us think that we're doing something without actually doing anything. And so I wanted to thrust forward and, and move past that. I kind of got frustrated with myself, and, and this cohort helped me implement some kind of discipleship in my church that I, I don't know if I would have done if, if I didn't have the cohort. But this certainly thrusted me forward. Yeah, I think um, one thing was being able to share some of the learning, some of the fun stories from other congregations with my core leadership team was inspiring for them but being honest and not trying to be you know on the on the negative side too much here but sometimes you read this idea in the book and go like oh that will never happen in my church and hearing somebody else in the cohort express that they're feeling the same thing was good and it gives you the courage to say well we don't really know unless we try you know so the the cohort was was helpful in that in overcoming those things that not only does the devil make us feel like we're doing things when we're not, but he tries to tell us we shouldn't try. Uh, one specific point within the Daniel M. book that was uh, really, I think, it, it put language to something we were feeling uh, and wanting for our church was to move away from an understanding of discipleship as a destination that you arrive at and that, you know, you think, oh, well, a disciple of Christ is someone who has class 101 down and 201 and, you know, on and on down. And they have all of these descriptions that describe a disciple person. And uh, boy, once they get there, then they're done. They are discipled. Um, moving away from that that view of it and more in the, a direction, away from destination and more to direction. And that if we are making our discipleship efforts uh, fit that model, we're going to tolerate some things that we really need to. Like we're going to tolerate kind of people who are sinners in our churches. And How see, dare you say? I know. Um, we're going to be welcoming people who really do not believe much of anything that we believe or do much of anything that the Bible teaches us to do. And we're going to welcome them into our fellowships. 
and they're going to be able to belong before they believe everything. And I think like that was one thing that uh, he put language to in the book that was really helpful. And then for us to be able to talk through that, well, what would that look like in, in your church? I was like, man, it might look really messy in your church. And uh, that was a really helpful thing. It helped us put language to something we were feeling the need to do. And uh, yeah, I think that was, that was one specific thing. Speaking of things that were specific to the book, the material we were going through, uh, one of the things I really appreciated came right off the right out of the gates in that book was the idea of little shifts. Because for me, and 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 I can only imagine for others too, one of the things that really becomes a barrier to me in implementing something new is first off it always seems like it has to be something huge something monumental something that requires 15 volunteers and and uh, half a book written to <laughs> to make it work and then on the other side of that is the disruption that's going to cause to the the rest of the congregation and to think of discipleship and the changes that you may want to make in terms of being more effective in discipleship as as making little shifts where this one little shift leads to this one little shift leads to this one little shift that very much changed my thinking about how you can implement uh, real change in a church coupled with Greg Finke's joining Jesus book just kind of joining Jesus on his mission mission versus you know, reinventing the wheel and how do we do this? You know, we don't need 15 volunteers. We can make micro shifts and we can see big change and have just a bunch of pastors together going, oh yeah, like I, I think of things I can do already. Like, so I was very encouraged by the cohort, but again, I think it would be encouraging to the whole body. So thanks to you guys. Those are some great, great uh, responses that you shared with us. Thank you. We're going to, we're going to take a few minutes and open it up to our audience that's here tonight. If you guys have any questions for any of our guests or for our hosts, specifically Dan and Luke. So if you have a question, I don't know how far this will go, but we'd love to get you asking. Uh, my name's uh, uh, Ryan, I'm a pastor up in Canada. I'm just curious, because you guys said that you met like once uh, or, or like every two months. Was there a reason that you didn't meet more? Like, especially if we're talking about accountability to be able to actually force yourself to like do those things you're talking about some of us were more sanctified maybe in that we met once a month instead of every two months or or so yeah but no i think that was just depending on like the group and the availability i think that had a lot to do with that um but so i think they just had different intervals but yeah i think most of the groups met like this past year met about 10 times and there were a few times where there were five or six week gaps or three week gaps. It's interesting. I think it felt like really long spaces of time. The other part too is like maybe I don't know exactly what was involved. Like how long were they, right? You're not just meeting for 30 minutes. And then what did you expect to have done before you met? I also am curious about that because that would change. They were both, you know, like meeting about the, the book we were going through, but kind of like a share prayer time. What's going on in your life? But, like, our group went out for wings. Even though Jeremy was the furthest away, he flew to meet with the rest of us and go to wings. And Yeah, and, and when Ryan sat down at the restaurant, he actually said, so what's good here? So that was, that was, a, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, at a restaurant called Wing Dome. Were they playing sports? <laughs> Tur turns out the steak was fantastic. I, I blended right in. <laughs> yeah. Part of the, the nice thing with having a little bit of a break between was 
you would read a chapter and it's so hard to read a chapter in a book guys it's so hard and it's like the night before every time <laughs> but you know you, you read the chapter in the book and then hopefully you have some thoughts as to how that might affect your ministry and so you'd have some time to process that but you know you don't want to be making even if they're micro shifts, like you don't want to be making so many things all at once. And so it's kind of nice to be able to have a book like this that was more like taking each individual concept. And I think like if we went through Greg Finke's book, that would you probably want to go through that a lot faster. He's got little chapters, big margins. We could we could knock through ten chapters a month, right? But but like that having opportunity, some just some space to not do everything all at once was helpful. So the basic structure was that we would meet, we'd uh, begin, and then we would go through the things that we were supposed to do the previous meeting, right? So, yeah, and then we'd go discuss the chapter, and then we would talk about how things were going in our lives, and then set goals that we would be tried, that we'd be held accountable to the next time that we met, and then we'd close in prayer. And then the next month, that, that was the, the basic structure of, of how the meetings went for, for our cohort. I will add to, Matt, to what Matt said. We, evaluate, we did evaluations of the three cohorts that met this year to find out what worked and what didn't. And some of the feedback was that, yeah, there was too much time in between for the amount of content. So the, the round we're doing next year, we're going to go through two books in one year, and it'll be about 50 to 60 pages a month versus you know 15 to 20. We're trying, trying to work on that and address that a little bit. Questions? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, my name's Nick, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> uh, no, I was listening to what Jeremy was saying about, you know, sometimes some of these plans or these books, it, they can be really uh, involved, um, but there were some more kind of simple nuggets that you guys were able to pull out of it. Can you speak to just some tangible ways that you're already seeing, you know, fruit from it in your congregations? Are you seeing some potential? Can you just kind of point to, like, hey, uh, this is where I was able to apply this and even in a little way. So uh, I'm at Rock of Ages in, in Seattle with Matt over here. And what we noticed kind of went into a little bit of, we're, we're seeing new members, we're seeing people come to be a part of Rock of Ages. And I actually just said new members, but what I meant is new parishioners and they're not really interested in becoming members. Like what, is, what does church membership really mean? And it's... You know, they, they come and they serve and they worship with us and all those things. They're a part of us in every way. So it actually, like, within this disciple cohort, it was, you know, setting goals for myself. And then Matt and I got to, like, explore how we're going to answer that question and encourage membership in our congregation. And we're having some really good conversations around that with people in our congregation and amongst the leadership to actually, you know, make it easy for someone to learn who we are, what we're about, and join us in, in mission, too. So... One of the things that, that uh, stirred up in me is, is the idea of getting more comfortable with just talking about our own sins with one another in the congregation, right? We're all there because we're sinners, right? And we are all there with the ability to pronounce the absolution of Christ uh, on those sins, right? And uh, so one little shift that, that can be made is just to make it a little more normal to talk about our own sins with one another. Um, and, and I'm starting to see uh, a little shift in the attitude of the congregation as I have these conversations from time to time with folks. 
and just say, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be a sinner. You don't have to dress up and, and uh, paint on your face and be perfect at church because that's not what we're here for. Uh, Matt earlier mentioned the destination versus direction concept, and I think that the way you said it, it gave language that was very helpful. It's actually done that in my congregation. I did one uh, sermon summary on that chapter after one of our uh cohort conversations and talked about it, and now that's become language that we're using. And the idea is that even further than just, you know, thinking I've arrived after I've done 101, 201, and 301 or whatever is is the idea that we don't arrive until we're in glory with heaven. And, and the question is, am I walking away from Jesus or am I walking towards Jesus? You know, that kind of concept. And that's been really helpful even in in thinking through things like, like when was it that the disciples actually became Jesus followers, you know, along their journey. So some of the people, like you said, it's messy. Some of the people in our congregations are not Christians. Some of them have been for a very long time. But the real question is, are they headed towards Jesus or are they rebelling against Jesus? And then our law gospel paradigm speaks right into that. So it's it's just been helpful for the language within my congregation. And as far as the fruit that's come out of it for, for my church, the discipleship groups that I'm leading is uh, we have, uh, I meet with yeah four other gentlemen that uh, we get together every week and we read through the same chapter uh, of scripture each week and we talk about how God is uh, messing with us in our life and, and seeing what he is actively doing in our life and um, it's getting these guys to think in a way that is different than they normally do, and it's getting them in Scripture more deliberately, and, and I even have them writing, <laughs> which is something uh, that I think is pretty phenomenal, that guys typically don't write, unless you're a pastor or an author. Um, that, that's something that we, we, journaling is not something that we are comfortable with, but, but somehow I convinced them to do that. And, and we have amazing discussions e- each week that um, circled around, around the Word of God, and it's pretty, pretty amazing. As pastors, we like to make things happen. We long to see that good fruit in our congregations that you've spoken of. Um, I'm curious, as you actually stopped and were in this experience together, how did Jesus impact your heart? I think one particular thing was was through relationships with the other guys. Like, I'm new in Seattle. Uh, I guess it's almost two years. It still feels very new. Uh, It's COVID, so everything's new. And I had, uh, you know, we weren't able to really connect as much as pastors um, because of that. And I got to, to know our guys in a little bit of a different setting. Like we, um, Marty Valder, he does a great job of getting us together to eat burgers uh, every couple months. And, um, and it's great. And we, we talk about, you know, kind of life updates and whatnot, but we don't kind of uh, talk as, it's not the setting where we can really engage with a concept as much and to feel the weight of it as we consider our own jobs and we feel like failures. It's, <laughs> we don't really have that op- opportunity as much, but in the cohort, we had that opportunity because uh, we all kind of felt like failures as we read through the book. And like that's like to have not just, you know, misery uh, enjoys company, um, not just to have that, but to, to encourage each other in it and to say, you know, God has put you there. God has you at that church and he is calling you to 
uh, to this. And like he is there with you. Having the other guys do that was really nice. Marty buys you burgers every month? Yeah, uh, you're Idaho? That's what I got out of that. Man, yeah. You I'm going to fly out more often. We're the farthest south people that get burgers, just so you know. Marty's a gem. I, I will say, personally, I and my wife would laugh at me if she was here to hear me say this, but in, in a loving way, I either am in the pit of you stink and you can't do anything right or, wow, look at me, I'm doing well, and I don't have any middle ground on it. <laughs> this book has helped me find some middle ground to live in the mess of my own sinfulness while I'm calling other sinners to turn themselves towards the cross. My name is Kathleen, and I'm, my question is, um, when you define discipleship as something that was ongoing, not someplace that you arrived at, um, does that help you see your parishioners with more compassion rather than being frustrated knowing that they maybe have to be, we have to be, Rediscipled in an area where we're falling short rather than just being they should know better they've been here since they were founding members of the church you know or whatever it frustrates you does it give you a, a, a expansion on the compassion so you work through and with problems versus you know and that's part of my question because where my heart comes from is always meeting you know the older with the new and as you speak I'm asking my husband what did that word mean? <laughs> what did they say? You know, and, and, and the hipness of everything that's moving through is just incredibly awesome. I, we all love it, yet how do you bring in the two with compassion, knowing full well that maybe some of the older members don't quite have or get it quite yet and still long to be validated within their callings? It's kind of long, but sorry. One of the questions in our ordination uh, services is do you love God's people and I think that very challenge has been to to love people more more specifically more I don't know messily is that a right is that a word but no no I think you're absolutely right the way um, you view discipleship as an ongoing process is is a great reminder to us as pastors you know speaking to what uh, Kevin was just saying it, it, it can be very tempting to look at ourselves and say we've arrived and now it's time for for us to, to teach everybody everything we know but then to have that reminder that yeah I'm, I'm still being discipled I'm still learning an awful lot right and I'm never going to get to the point where I've learned everything there is to know and and that helps um, not only pastors, but every every Christian, those who have been Christians a long time can look at themselves and say, yeah, I'm still being discipled, right? And so we can walk along with each other no matter where that disciple is on the road, even if they, they're, they're not even on the road yet. Um, we can walk alongside them as people who are being actively discipled by Christ uh, in that moment. And I, th I think, so like, if we just flip it around, and so let's, let's say it would be destination, that would be how we would make disciples. Uh, every pastor who's gone through seminary, we're professional Christians, and we, technically, we, we done good, we good, we don't need discipleship anymore, right? You know? And that's total garbage. You know, uh, there's, there's people in my congregation who have way less theological training than me that are way further down that path than I am way further down and 
for me to be able to fulfill my role as their pastor in calling them to continue down that path and to show them what that looks like and for them to call me to continue down that path. That that's part of their role too. Yeah, that, that's been, uh, I think, a, a helpful sort of uh, shift, not just for, you know, to build compassion towards, towards them, but, you know, maybe to, not to use the word in the wrong way, but to accept who, who we are too as pastors that we haven't arrived yet and yet God still calls us into this role. Honestly, though, there are days when I do have to repent from being frustrated with people. Hey, uh, thank you so much, you guys. Uh, let's thank our guests for, for being here. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you. Uh, actually, Darren and Kevin are going to be two of the pastors leading some of the new cohorts this next year. So thank you guys for taking what you've experienced and carrying it on for others to experience, too. I appreciate it. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.